Welcome to the Sessions Podcast, where each episode, a real therapist sits down with their real client to candidly talk about their experience in counseling. Come join us and get a peek into what the relationship looks like between a therapist and a client. You'll hear the real stories, the real emotions, the hurts, the joys, and everything in between. But mostly, we hope that you'll hear the love that is found each day at Sessions. Today, we get to be with Amanda C. Amanda is, she's just an awesome human being. She's she's in her mid-30s, and she's been a client for a little over four years now. So we've had a lot of time together, and I've gotten to walk with her through, through quite a few seasons. And it's just been such a privilege to get to be a part of her journey. And I know that, that once you hear her story and you get to meet her, you're going to feel the exact same way. So here we go. Here is Amanda C. Tell me your story if you can. Take me back to the beginning. Again, this is a flyby, so whatever condensed version, but I'm also always curious. It feels like each... How it's changed. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Born and raised in California, the uh, less exciting part of California, um, which... Fun fact about that. I feel like the older you get, you look back on the town you grew up in and you're like, wow. Because like when you're a kid, it's just what you know. And being an adult now, I look back at growing up in Fairfield, California, like, how did I not get kidnapped? But whatever. How did that happen? Um, that also goes back to the parents who raised me because I was walking around going to Target when I was like 10 with my little brother who's like six. <laughs> Anyways, um, a little bit into my childhood already. Um, grew up in California and... I was raised in the church. We started going when I was six. But it was interesting because I had parents who had their own set of issues. Uh, And so, again, it's a wonder to me that I've maintained my relationship with the Lord throughout that because I can remember being a kid, driving home from church, and instead of my mom and stepdad being like, whoa, what did you kids learn in church today? It was like, can you believe that he said that because he does this to me and blah, 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 whatever. It's like, I don't think that's very Christ-like, but okay. Might not be the idea. No. Yeah. So that's interesting. But I grew up feeling, uh, I, I was the middle child, so I had all the emotions, still do, super fun all the time. <laughs> My husband loves it, but... Makes you a great therapy client. It does. Yeah. Uh, good, a good story storyteller because yeah. all the drama. I just remember being a kid and just kind of feeling on the outside, feeling like I don't really know where I fit. Having a mom now, I can look back and had her own issues and she was struggling to be a mom. Um, But when you're a kid, you don't know. You can't put language to it. And so just always kind of feeling not super wanted. Um, Again, not knowing where I fit. Um, So that created a whole mess of problems with my identity and, you know, searching for affirmation from people. And then came to Nashville for college, mostly to get away from my family, which was a good call. Highly recommend it if you can swing it. Um, and then I've yeah, been why here. why Nashville? Uh, because it was far away. It was, it was far enough away, and I had a couple of friends who'd come out here for different things over the years. They said they liked it. Gotcha. So yeah, I just you know, eighteen years old, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I, just, <laughs> I bought it. I bought a one way ticket for my myself, and you know, my aunt gave me a cell phone because my mom didn't even 
think to do that for her 18-year-old who's going off to college. Thank so, God for good aunts. I, I know. Uh, yeah, came out here and loved it and stayed and lived in China for a couple of years. Had a podcast on China. You didn't know that. Until I didn't today. know. It wasn't that good. <laughs> so it's, I wish I could have been on your podcast. I don't think so. No, I don't think you, I don't. it wasn't that it, good. It wasn't. Okay. No, it wasn't, I don't it wasn't wish okay. that. Yeah. Because that's right. That's right where we intersected, mm-hmm. right? It was as soon as you got back from mm-hmm. China, it was sort of like this culture shock of coming back home. Major life transition. But why did, why did you go to China in the first place? So, okay, this is a funny story. First year after college, didn't know what I was doing with my life. And I was like, I could go to China for a year. So I went with a teaching organization and did that for one year. Came back to Nashville for a couple of years. Hated my life. I was working at Chick-fil-A as a manager. Free food, but other than that, not great. My ex-boyfriend had broken up with me. And so, which instead of getting bangs or a tattoo, I sold all of my shit. And I bought a (laughs) one-way ticket to China. And Pretty risky move, honestly, but it worked out. So I also felt like the Lord was calling me there, which that probably should have yeah. been first. But, but that was sort of like my what, main what motive you might was, call kind of like the quarter life crisis. Yes. My main motive was I just got dumped. I want to get the fuck out of here. Fuck him. So, Let's go to China. Which is interesting. I did that with my family. I was like, you know, this is a messy situation. I don't like this. I can't control this. I'm out of here. Yeah. I just therapized myself. You did. What, what have you been paying me for all these years? Look at you. I don't know. I'm just kidding. A lot. You've done a lot. But now, so you got back from China. I think that was sort of the, that was the Amanda that I met, was the one that walked into the office and... Yeah, talk about what you thought about me when I first came in. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Look at you. You are a podcast host, turning the tables like that. I can tell you this. I immediately liked you. That's sort of this intangible quality where... I don't know. I don't even know really how to describe it. You just, somebody enters the room and you're like, I like this. I like, I like yeah. being around you. Well, it's kind of like you, you go into a room full of people and you meet someone and, and you're like, they just got my semi dark joke. Right. Or my reference to this really obscure movie or TV show. I like that person. It's kind of that same feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I'm pretty quickly trying to assess in those first couple of sessions how much trying is happening, whether somebody's they're trying to present in a certain way. There's some like a performative aspect mm-hmm. as they walk in. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. They walk into the room. They want to be a good therapy client. They want to be a certain way, but you can feel the trying that comes into the room with them. And immediately I remember with you, there was just zero, there was such an ease about you. And I think when there's when you come in and there's an ease about you, mm-hmm. it just creates that sort of peace in the room. Well, it's kind of like, I know what I'm here for. I'm here to open up and present all of my shit. So yeah. why pretend I don't have shit? Yeah. So I wish you could tell that to every client before they walk into the therapy room. You can stitch it on a pillow. Because I wish you could put that on a pillow <laughs> and put it on the couch. That's a nice one. But you tell me then, tell me what your sort of first impression was as you were sort of first coming into counseling. I remember thinking it's kind of like going to the dentist where, you know, a lot of people freak out. They don't like going, but and not that I love the dentist, but it's like, this is going to be uncomfortable and awkward, but it's for my good. So here we go. Yeah. Uh, and 
I knew I, I knew I needed it. I knew I needed to be talking to a therapist. So I was kind of feeling like I was also kind of, you know, feeling you out. Like, yeah. Yeah, totally. What are the, what is he saying to me? Is it like a cheap kind of phrases that you would see posted somewhere Bumper on stickers. Hobby Lobby? You know, like I, I don't, I don't want that. I wanted someone that would be real and honest and that I could feel comfortable with. And I, I don't remember if, I think maybe you cussed first and I was like, cool. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this is my guy. Yeah. I was like, okay, I can work with that. That's great. <laughs> Um, cause yeah, anytime we're talking about Jesus and saying fuck in the first couple of minutes, that's a good time. There is. Well, it's kind of like you said, it, if, if you cuss, it's like, okay, I can, I can be honest with this person because I, especially growing up in the church, you're around so many people who try to put on airs of holiness or righteousness. And it's like, I get it. But also, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, yeah, life is totally. fucking hard. Let's just talk about it. Let's lay it all yeah. out. So I, I appreciated that about you. I don't remember if that was the first session, second, I don't know, but early on. Yeah. What do you remember about early early sessions and it was experience? uncomfortable as shit. I mean, <laughs> but, but it is. And that's something that keeps people from coming, which is sad because yeah. you're here to deal with stuff and confronting things are hard. But for me... The last couple of years I was in China, I had started to deal with a lot of those things and I had confronted a lot of past childhood shit, but also things that were, that carried shame for me. Yeah. And so I had things that happened to me when I was young. I had learned behaviors that I was doing as an adult that I was ashamed of. For example, I'm just going to be totally honest. Please. Um, for example, my I, I witnessed growing up my mom and my stepdad taking advantage of people, and I saw that in my in myself as an adult in my mm. behavior. It was unintentional, yeah. but it was a learned behavior. Yeah. And so that was something as an adult when I started confronting that. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of heartache. Recognizing that in myself, but I knew it was something I had to do. And so I had already kind of gone through a lot of that stuff prior to moving back from China and meeting you. And so I was ready. I, I knew it's like, I have to do this. I remember, uh, I guess, exercises you would call them that we would do where you would have me talking to, you know, someone sitting in a chair that wasn't actually here and right. having conversations. I, again, it's like when you start that, you're like, this is so weird. Like, yeah. why am I doing this? But then you start you start talking to that person who's not actually sitting in the chair and then you start crying and then rage comes out and you're like, oh, I get it. This yeah. is why we're doing it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's still weird, but it's good. And once you, you know, you're doing that a couple more times and it becomes a little less weird, but. That actually stands out in my memory of our work together is that, that you first talking time. to my mom? Yeah. I think there was a session where, it was, I want to say there was almost, it was this, there was like two chairs set up and it was like you and six-year-old Amanda, little Amanda, oh, and then also mom yeah. sort of sitting across. Yeah, that, that one got pretty real. Yeah, I think. because I remember at one point, I think mom, I had sort of asked you to have, to write a letter mm -hmm. from your mom oh, to yeah. You, yeah, of the things I I want her to say. Yeah, yeah, maybe the things you need say. you needed yeah. to hear. Yeah, 
But I remember he did it beautifully. And I'm pretty good with the words, <laughs> especially when I'm angry. <laughs> you are. You are. It's yeah. funny. I was looking back actually at our, like your, your file, your chart, whatever. And there are a lot of letters in there. Yeah. A lot of shitty first drafts. <laughs> That's right. I, it, it's so funny. I, I feel like I'm always telling people, well, my therapist and I talked about this and we did this and da, da, da. But the shitty first draft thing is something that I talk about a lot where it's like, get it, just get it out. Yeah. Get it out and, you know, bury it or set it on fire. That's my personal favorite is setting things on fire. It's, it's the best. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, with a fire pit, don't like start a forest fire. But um, I tell them all the time, it's like, that's the best is doing shit because it's just like, you know, motherfucker, yeah. you know, all this stuff yeah. that you're obviously not going to say to someone to probably to their face, but it, it gets out that rage and then you can get to like the actual root yeah. cause of, of why you're yeah. mad at your mailman or Yeah, whatever. it's interesting. It's like that, just that idea of like giving yourself permission to, uh, I think what, I, what I'll often say is like when we're doing those letters or writing a letter to yourself or or even if it's a, a hard conversation letter, like write your first draft and then immediately throw it away mm -hmm. because that one was for you, mm -hmm. right? Like that's yours. Yeah. That's not for anyone else. Like even if it is a letter that you're writing to your friend, like that first one is just sort of part of like getting that, like you're saying, getting it out. Yeah, because it's easy to project on people. And so you need to get that first layer yeah. out. But we don't do that. We don't give ourselves permission to like write the first draft. We we've, we we want to be so calculated and so mm -hmm. edited and so... Or bury it down. Never talk about it. Yeah, it, it feels good to finally get to a point <laughs> where I, I finally give myself permission to confront things, whether it's within myself or with people. Yeah. And something you've taught me where it's like, I, I get to share how I'm feeling and that person gets to share how they're feeling and that's okay. But the, the key thing is like, we both get to have an opinion. We both get to say something because right. that was something that I, I struggled with and maybe middle child syndrome. I have no idea about, I just want to kind of like keep the peace and not say anything because what if I'm wrong? But you and I have talked about this a lot. I have a, I've had a fear yeah. of like, I feel this way. I feel wronged, but I'm afraid to say anything because what if, what if I'm wrong? Yeah, I don't. Want, and I've learned it's okay. Even if I am wrong, you figure it out and you apologize right. and you move forward. But if I feel like I'm being wronged by someone, hurt, whatever, I get to say it. I get to flesh it out and figure it out and figure out what happens next. Yeah, that's not something I was good at. Yeah. Long time. So how did you? How did you get there? I think the biggest thing was the ending of really close. And important friendships. Mm. Um, when when I was in China, which I and now that I'm further removed, I think this is actually such a kind of a beautiful story. Yeah. <laughs> because when I was in China, I was close to these people. They were huge part. They're vital in my healing and growth in that season. And when I came home through a bunch of different things those relationships ended and that was really, really hard. It took me like a year and a half. Yeah. You know, process that, figure things out. And I'm okay with it now. I'm, I'm, it's fine. I'm happy with it because it shows someone who is in your life, especially helping you deal with your shit. 
it's okay if they don't stay in your life forever. Yeah. It's okay if you help someone else with their shit and you don't stay in their life forever. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Um, it doesn't negate what happened and the role that they played in my life. But that was a hard season. That was really uh, difficult for me to finally voice. Like, yeah, when we met, I was kind of a mess and I needed you, but that's changed. I've grown. Yeah. Our relationship needs to change. Yeah. I'm no longer someone who is dependent on you. You're no longer like shepherding me through life. Like right. you've done a great job, but you know, let's let's have a normal, equal friendship. Yeah. And saying that was hard. Trying to navigate that was hard and the friendships, the relationships ended. But I'm glad that I stood up for myself. I'm glad I spoke up. I didn't feel like I was being myself. I felt like I was having to change who I was when I was with those people, and that's not okay. I remember that shift where, you know, oftentimes when we're in these, you know, when we're in friendships and different seasons of life, it's like, I know this version of Amanda. And this is the version of Amanda that came to China and that mm-hmm. we knew. And, and it was almost this sense of, and I see this all the time where it's like somebody gets sort of this, you know, software update where you come and you do your own work and you figure out some an awareness and you, you change, we transform, we were this sort of moving body of water. And yet the relationship, it can't sustain if they're not willing to accept mm-hmm. this sort of version of you that is new and that has changed and has sort of found her voice. It's like, Oh, I don't like that. The other one would have just, old Amanda would have sort of submitted to everything we said. Yeah. Old Amanda was much more willing to kind of be a chameleon in the room and just sort of go, you know, and I think that's the part I see that we get to do that all the time where there's this sense of we change, but the, the relationship at times can't sustain that, you know, it, it's not, it's not, they don't, the other parties don't necessarily want that they're in a different season of life or they don't have the tools to know what to do Mm -hmm. with this version of you, you know? And so then unfortunately it like fractures it. And a lot of times it, yeah, it does. It sort of, it ends. That's hard. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because you in the moment, it's hard to see all that. Like you said it in a very (laughs) clean and, and smart way. But when you're in it, you're just like, Fuck. Yeah, like what yeah. the fuck is that? Like, is it me? You keep going back and forth. Like, am I the problem? Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's a trait I have where it could go either way. It could be in a healthy place, which is good, or an unhealthy place, and I stay in bad relationships where it's like, if I'm the problem, I want to know. And that's yeah. that's fine. I, I want to know if, if I'm honestly contributing to the issue, if I'm just 100% wrong, it's all on me, I want to know that because I can learn from it and I can change and I can grow whatever. And so I, sh- I was struggling with that mindset during this whole period of the, the, these friendships ending because I had people on one side saying, what are you doing? You've changed so much. You know, why are you doing this? Basically, I, I felt, I don't want to say they were actually saying this, but I got the impression like the relationship was ending solely because of me and time changes. Time gives you better perspective. And I now see 
it was 50-50. Yeah. It, it ended because, yes, I was changing, but it also ended because they refused to change. Yeah. Or to accept that change. Yeah. And I think that was the importance of bringing in little Amanda into the room. Because ultimately, that chip that gets planted in us early of like, hey, you're, you can trust yourself. Mm. And like, mm. you matter. And what you say is really, really important. So what are your needs? What's going on inside? And let's find out because we can really trust that. But if you don't get that chip planted in you early and mom and dad don't do an incredible job of making sure that you feel like you can trust yourself Mm -hmm. and you don't have to be critical and all of the, the things that you sort of ultimately kind of walked out of your childhood, like you say, modeled for you or kind of conditioned then we get to kind of go back and sort of make that repair with her to go, hey, maybe we can trust ourselves. Maybe you actually do deserve to take up space. And that feeling that you have, you can trust that. Hearing you, you say everything you just did, I think because of my upbringing. I went out into the world as a quote-unquote adult. I'm saying that because I was 18 and I, okay, come on. Um, But with such little confidence in myself and having no voice and not trusting myself because I was not, I don't want to say nurtured, but I was not raised in a way where I was told that I matter, where I was told that my opinions matter. Yeah. And that I make good good decisions and that and so I entered you know my adult life I went out into the world just not knowing so much not knowing how to do a lot of basic life skills and not being confident in myself and which also created a whole other layer of shame right that I've had spent years working through and it it took me a long time to actually finally get to that point where it's like man that shit was fucked up. Yeah. Speaking about my childhood and, yeah, and what I came yeah. from. And and finally recognizing the these emotional and anger issues I have, um, this the sense of shame I have, like that's not normal. Yeah. And I can do something about it. Yeah. And I finally got to a point where I wanted to do something about it. Yeah. Because I was tired of of feeling so much shame about it. I was tired of doubting myself. I was tired of feeling like I wasn't able to use my voice. Yeah. That's something that I, that's important to me when I am speaking with or getting to know, especially younger women, where it's like the shit that you are carrying, specifically that's coming from, let's say your parents. Okay. Cause that's something that we, none of us can control. Like if your parents have issues and they never deal with it, they're obviously going to pass that on to you. Yeah. And so you, you don't have to carry that anymore. You get to live in freedom now you have to put in the work, you have to do it, but you get to live in freedom and it's so much better. Yeah. It is so much better. And that is something I, when I'm talking to people about therapy, because a lot of people are still like, oh, therapy, okay. Um, <laughs> it's like, you have a choice. You can either spend the rest of your life battling, because that's what it feels like, battling all this garbage, or you could put in the work and it's really hard and it's uncomfortable and you have to talk to little Amanda or little whoever or talk to your your mom who's physically absent 
yeah. you know, and yeah. and yeah, it's awkward. But getting to the other side of that is so good. Mm. It's so beautiful. It's so worth it. And not that you never have these issues again, but you are more equipped. You're better equipped to actually deal with these things. And so they're not a burden. It's not something that's weighing you down as you go through your life. You're not carrying it into your future life, your future relationships. That's another thing about therapy, about something I've learned. And I try to share with others who are starting their therapy journey of making sure you've got people in your life who get it mm. and who will support you. Yeah. Who've gone through it themselves or are going through it themselves. Uh, because there's still so many people out there. It's like they, you hear the word therapy. And it's like they fit. I've seen people physically react to the word therapy. And I'm like, I think that means you should go. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, if you are like automatically defensive or just your body's like literally jumping away um, at the word of therapy, I yeah. think you, you should listen to that. You need to listen. Thanks for listening to the Sessions Podcast. And thank you to each and every one of the brave clients we get to sit down with each week. It's not easy to ask for help, but we know that when we do, we begin the process of change. We begin the process of building an authentic connection to yourself. And this just may be the most important connection you will ever make. Because we believe you're worth it. Hey friends, if there was something you heard in this conversation that you thought might be helpful for a friend or family member, feel free to share this episode with them. We love the idea of these stories being shared in hopes that it could help somebody who could use a little help. We love hearing how these stories are impacting you. So feel free to leave a review and keep following along. Do you have any, here's a funny question, but is there anything that you've ever wanted to just ask me that you don't feel like you've ever gotten to ask? Does it have to, to like, like anything therapy or professional? Anything. Okay. I, you can edit this out if I can't talk about this, but how did you meet your wife? Because I totally got flipped around when I realized that you're married to Rachel. Blank out her last name if you want. I know it's okay. Because I used to listen to her music in the 90s, which was like so fucking weird. <laughs> Not her music, just the fact that my therapist years later is married to her. I know. It's that, 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 I, I, I can, I'm, I'm happy to tell that story.